0: Hello, everybody, and welcome all to the Sleep Tech Talk, sleep tech podcast for all of you sleep techs out there with Robert Miller, Emerson Kerr, and me, Dr. Gerald George Moneyker and we can't thank you enough, by the way, just call me Jerry, and can't thank you enough for joining us. This podcast has been in the works for a while. I want to thank personally Robert for putting it together. I had this idea a while back, and um, as most of us have great ideas, we don't do anything with it. So the man of action, the man with the plan, Robert, thank you so much. He reached out to Emerson and me to say, "Hey guys, I got this idea. Why don't we do this?" And this culmination of his hard work. And talking about culmination of his hard work, Robert, I want to say, uh, let's start with you because this show, today's show, is about what this podcast is, uh, each of us, introducing each of us in our journey. So talking about our journey, Robert, tell us a little bit about how you got into sleep.
1: Yes, thank you, Jerry. And by the way, I, I may have thought about the idea around a podcast, but I had to go out and get the real talent and and bring you guys in to, to participate in um, uh, in these episodes and and really the the idea behind this yeah. is to take input and feedback from sleep techs in the who are a part of the industry and bring on guests who um might be interesting and um you know may have some topic and and where they're an expert and can you know shed light on some additional information that maybe um helps us all you know be better at what we do and taking care of patients uh who have sleep issues so um I appreciate it. I will start with, uh, you know, I, I got back, I got into sleep medicine um, under, um, I would say, sort of unusual, um, uh, under an unusual circumstance. I was working in the operating room back in 1993 and uh, just happened to uh, make friends and acquaintances with the guy who was the department manager over, um, he had the, uh, the, the bio lab, but he also had the sleep lab as part of his responsibility. He stopped me in the hall one day and said, hey, would you would you like to work three days a week? <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, really all it took to get me out of the operating room was a uh, dollar an hour more uh, and uh, and and to work three days a week as a full
0: time gig. So um, man, that's a that's, that's that's young person's ears. Right. And I only, I only got a three yeah. day work week. Come on, man. You and and that. it was
1: working nights. I, I really had no I really had no exposure to working nights. And um I thought, you know, hey, it's, how bad can it be to stay up all night and, and watch some people sleep? You know, little did I know, and, and and I have to say it was really a blessing that my um that the physician um who had just arrived at the hospital at the time to take over the medical director's role, um, she had just actually been uh, she had come from Stanford where she was trained, so she was under Dr. Dement. Um Little did I know that that meant that we were going to be doing some, you know, fairly high-end um, sleep procedures. We did esophageal manometry, um, and, and by the way, there was there really weren't very many, uh, and, and I would say maybe zero, digital systems that were available in 1993. So we're talking neon coding and grass polygraph, uh, you know, so it was every <laughs> night. Oh, <yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did a few of those esophageal um, monitors uh, get a little messy for you?
1: Uh, you know, it did, but I have to say, we did a, um, the hospital really did a good job. They actually had the endoscopy department come down and train oh, us lucky. on how to insert the, uh, and we were, it, it was interesting because they were able to to get a carve out for us as sleep techs to administer topical lidocaine. So we were able oh, to nice. get the patients to, to numb their airway, and then we were able to put the tube in. So you didn't have to torture them um, at all. <laughs> No, it, it really wasn't that bad. And it, what was funny, though, is that we practiced on each other the <laughs> the very first time. So, you know, no. we were all no. <laughs> getting really, uh, getting really friendly, you know, trying Classic to, uh, medicine. to get these things down for time. but, but it really was, you know, at the time it was really a, a it, it made it more of a science for me because, you know, you came in in the beginning of the night you calibrated your polygraph and you've got a, do this, uh, this, um, uh, esophageal insertion. And then you've also got to calibrate the esophageal uh, manometry setup as well. Um, so that you're able to get the, uh, appropriate signal. And, um, we were actually able to successfully, even at, at one point, start doing esophageal manometry CPAP titration on paper. Nice. So it, it really was a, a science. Uh, back at that time, and it was again just having such a, a great, dedicated position. She would come in in the mornings and and actually sit with us and go page by page and do instruction um, for us to help us, you know, become better sleep techs and make sure that we were making clinical
0: decisions that sort of lined up with what she was looking for. Um, uh, so that's how I, I started. I got I got to stop you there because I got, when you said you yeah. went page by page, I got to ask you how long did it take to score a study in those days? <laughs>
1: That'd be forever. Uh, Hours, you know, because it it was literally you you had a sheet that had these. You you had to go in and put little tick marks, but then you also had to measure each apnea and then and then also uh, document the correlating um, desaturation with each apneic event that took place. Not to mention that you're also counting limb (laughs) movements.
0: Wow, that's wild, wild. Yeah.
1: But it really was a—it really was a science uh, back then, you know. It, like I said, it—it it really felt like a—a—a a, a real science experiment every night on on the patient. Um, and although I have to tell you, when we moved into the digital world, it—you know—it it certainly felt like we had we had you know moved into the space age. And and I much preferred scoring where it auto-tabulated everything for you. I mean, all all of those things were were great um, evolutions in in sort of the polysomnography side. Um, yeah, you know, essentially, we were, that was so early on in the area that I um, lived in, in the, the Charlotte, North Carolina area, that, um, you know, there was essentially just a, a handful of us who were even involved in sleep medicine at the time uh, between all of the healthcare systems. And ultimately, I was able to sort of make my way into a management role, but it was actually at the competing sleep center across town. Um, and I, so I managed that program. We had phenomenal growth. Um, had an opportunity to leave there and become a, a a national director of sleep services for a publicly traded company. So it was it was an interesting transition to go from this hospital based service provider to you know now I'm traveling all over the country and starting to um, engage with different um, physicians and also business models because the the company I was with at the time we had all joint venture sleep labs that were they were joint ventures in conjunction with um, with cardiologists. So they were unique business models. I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do in the way of a joint venture. Um, and but but ultimately, you know, I felt like um, and and really it was there. There was an opportunity for me to go to work for Respironics um, from that particular position. So so I left there and and then ended up working for I, I don't know seven or eight years with Respironics that became Philips during that time. That's where I met both of you guys. <laughs> um well, hey, what is I'm what do you
0: feel like led up to that though Robert you know you had such a really diverse series of steps there that are so different from each other yeah. by the time you made it to the manufacturer what do you feel like it you were prepared for because you you as you know we all three of us it's a whole different mindset what prepared you yeah. for that leap to be a clinical specialist yeah it, you know
1: so I, I felt like and there was a lot of steps I missed. Out, I left out there, I guess, too, that I should say. At one point during my career, um, when I was the the manager of the Navate uh, Sleep Program, um, we actually developed a, a sleep technology course. It was a two year program in conjunction with the local community college. Um, so, you know, I felt like that every step in in um, in my sort of journey. Um, led me, and, and, and again, you know, I went through sales training and business development training, and um, and all of that while I was at Medcast, the the, the national diagnostic provider. So it, it was almost like everything that I had been doing sort of led me up to, and, and then it was also just exposure to um, different people who were in the market. Um, and and at the time, I'd also started to get pretty heavily involved with the Carolina Sleep Society. So it was sort of you know, all things converging that you know, I'd gotten involved in in educational activities that were on a bigger, you know, a fairly large scale between North and South Carolina. Um, I had developed a school program. So clinically, I felt like that you know, I was at a place that that I could go out. Um, but the the business development side of of what took place while I was with Bedcat is sort of what prepared me
0: to be able to to sell once I got to Phillips. Excellent. So. Yeah. So with Phillips, you know, what, what led you to where you are today? I mean, you know, yeah. from manufacturer to distributor. Yep.
1: So I never, ever intended. I loved my job when, when, when we were Respironics and you guys know it was, it was a, a great job, great company, great culture. Um, it, you know, there certainly were, it, it was a very different company a couple of years after Phillips uh, came in. And it, it's still a good company and still a great job. Um, but and I never intended on leaving but I did a presentation for you know a lot of times you know my idea about how to sell to a, um, a in, to another party is to to be collaborative and to you know try to bring something to the table that helps them to grow their business and uh, so I, I do a presentation I do a presentation for medbridge Healthcare um, where I'm sort of outlining how they can grow their in-lab business through expanding their home sleep apnea testing service. Um, because they were, it, this was just at the time when, uh, you know, home sleep apnea testing was just becoming a, a, a part of, and a fixture in what was going to become, you know, a, a much greater part of sleep medicine overall. And, um, I, so I do the presentation a week later, the CEO calls me and makes me an offer that I can't say no to. So, <laughs> so, um, and, and, and even yeah. that. we use your it.
0: skills. We we need your skills. <laughs> yeah. a godfather experience.
1: Well, and I, and, it, and it was also uh, you know, uh, hey, let's uh, let's pay you a few more dollars, and you know, uh, okay, sold. <laughs> but we, uh, but it was interesting because I, I actually served in different capacities with MedBridge Healthcare, and I feel like that that has now ultimately prepared me for where I am in in my current role and I'll I'll get there. But with MedBridge Healthcare, I initially went in as a vice president of operations over, you know, the sleep diagnostics division. MedBridge at the time had both sleep diagnostics and and DME, a DME division. Um, And so, you know, I had responsibility for the overall operations. And and I think that we really made some significant changes that helped the business um, for MedBridge Healthcare but a couple of years in at, at Medbridge there was some leadership change at the CEO level and the new CEO, he came in and he said, you know what? I've looked at some of the deals that have happened for this company over the last several years. And the ones that actually are the best deals for our company are the ones that you did. So you're moving into business development, Robert. Um, (laughs) So I spent, I I spent two years in business development. um, And it was two of the most successful years in the history of the company from a business development perspective. So, uh, not not just for myself, but John Matthias, who is a dear friend of mine and, and the chief development officer there. We we had a couple of good years together. And then with COVID, it just sort of changed everything. And there was another leadership shakeup at the company. And um, it, so the company needed me to go back into operations. And I did that for about nine months. Um, and, and just ha- ha- for whatever reason, there seemed to be this opportunity for me to Interview with Apria. I don't even remember exactly how it happened, but I interviewed for this position with Apria as the vice president of sleep business. And lo and behold, about six weeks later, I end up uh, getting an offer uh, to take the job. So that's where I am today. I'm the vice president of sleep business with Apria. You know, one of the largest DME providers in the U.S. And what my my role today is is pretty unique because. I am uh, responsible and, and a part of commercial strategy for the company as it relates to the sleep business, uh, but then also involved in business development and upstream marketing to help make sure that our um, our sales force has the right tools and that we're uh, we're focused on the right things to grow the business and that's the story that's a great story that's
0: fantastic what what I love to uh, hearing about this uh, robert is the, is the fact that <laughs> House, it was serendipitous to, like you said, literally bumped into somebody in the hallway at the hospital and yeah. started this new career. And I, I, I still remember when I was hooking up patients, the, the question was, where, where do I go from here? Where do I go next? And for most people, uh, at least most of the techs that I've worked with, it's always been, how do I get to the daytime spot? And and you know I've been reading the literature, reading the magazines, and and all that, and it's always talking about the daytime, uh, the daytime mm-hmm. position, the scorer, the lab, the lab uh, manager, that sort of thing. But y- you've shown us that there are so many other opportunities out there. You've done them all. I mean, uh, yeah. the, you know, the the ba- the the base of it all, the actual person that actually yeah. sticks. The puts the leads on the patient, takes care of them, Yeah, the whole basic, uh, the base of the entire uh, thing of a uh, essence of a sleep tech. But from there, there's so many other things that you were able to do, manage a lab, start a lab, business development, become a clinical specialist for a multinational organization, and, and now vice president of a, a company that distributes sleep. So it, it, what I find very interesting, in what you said now is, hey, you stumbled into this or bumped into this, and uh, yeah. and, and it's taken you so, so far. So that's really cool to hear. I, I also – I don't know if, uh, Emerson, you caught that, but how he got involved with the Carolina Sleep Society. I, w- I was uh, privileged to join you last year, uh, Robert, over there, and it was so nice to yeah. see such a vibrant, vibrant uh, society and to hear that you took it from its infancy to where it is today. That, that's also awesome to show there's a huge, strong community in sleep in, in the Carolinas. Absolutely.
1: And Emerson has been a, a guest speaker of, uh, over the years uh, at yeah. the Carolina sleep Society as well. So, um,
0: yeah, Asheville and by the way, will we're, Beach we're, got to do both of them.
1: That's right. That's right. We uh, we're, we're going to delay that meeting a little bit this year, and um, it, it's actually going to occur in the fall because the uh, the American Academy of Sleep Medicine the, the sleep the National Sleep Meeting is actually in Charlotte this Charlotte, year at the yeah. same time that we would typically have the, the Carolina Sleep Society meeting.
0: Hey, well, maybe we should do this podcast from uh, as one of those sessions, and uh, wouldn't that be something? That'd be great. That would be cool to to do it from there. That would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. absolutely all right well um let's take a look here shall we uh so let's let's call this our first episode and want to uh, for the next episode folks i know you guys are just waiting to hear how the other two <laughs> got into sleep but with that we're going to close right. this this episode and say thank you robert for for telling us your story uh, we sincerely appreciate that and uh thanks emerson and uh Jerry, I just want to, uh, from Jerry and myself, I want to say thank you all for joining us. Let us know in the comments, uh, a direct message, wherever you see it on social media. Uh, let us know what you want to hear, any suggestions on guests about, about uh, what you want to see in the future. We look forward to hearing from you. With that, we say thank you so much and have a good night.